you know you're getting old but i forgot what i was going to talk about <laughs> it's time to get things started with how to survive the modern world or gen x isn't just a fashion statement presented by tribe74.com Andrew, how are you doing today, brother? Feeling fantastic. That's good. That's good. You're not really my brother, but it's almost like we're brothers. No, I know. We've known each other for way too long. Way too long. And, you know, you hung out with my brother. I hung out with your brother. Exactly. Good news coming in from our government, allowing us to actually start to get back together again with people that we know. Yeah, it's going to be great to uh, get out. I'm, I'm tired of this lockdown. And so now we can still both sit inside and, and watch Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Disney Plus, the most recent movies coming out, listen to music. Actually, I'm looking forward to getting out to see some live music. My goodness. I, I hope, I hope that there are plans for people to be doing some live music this summertime. So dude, what's on the show tonight? First off, we're going to talk about uh, the new Disney Plus show. Apparently it's not new. It's from Hulu. Yeah. Modoc. Maybe it's Hulu's show, Modoc. Yeah, but it's on Dis it's on Disney Plus, so that's all that matters. You know, that's how we watch it. That's where we watch it. Up here in Canada, because we don't get Hulu. We're not privileged enough to have Hulu here. No. Also, we're going to talk about some albums that we've recently listened to that came out uh, in the last, uh, well, in 2021 so far. That's one of the new features that we're going to try doing a little more often, you know, talk about some new music. I love it. And uh, then we're going to talk, we're going to compare our top five comic book heroes it'll be a, a total of top 10 uh between the both you and i so we're going to talk about our five favorite comic book heroes just have a discussion about that so that's also a new feature we're going to try like doing some top 10 lists here once in a while love it maybe people uh maybe people will like that and uh, if, if you do like that you got to let us know uh you know you can contact us through the website you can just you know, find People us can't on. comment below in in podcasts, can they? Well, I'm sh you know what? Look, media and uh, multimedia and the internet is so amazing these days. I'm sure there's a way to find us, but I mean, just go to our website. Let me just give give you my phone number. You guys <laughs> can give me a phone call. So anyway, but you can go to our po our podcast website, podcast.tribe74.com, if you want to leave comments. If there's the other way, not other ways to do it. You know, I'm sure that's how people can get a hold of us. Nice. I can't believe that. One, Modoc has finally dropped on Disney+. Plus. You know, I was so excited to, to start the series and then was doing a little bit of research on it. The first entire season was already dropped on Hulu at the exact same time. We are stuck waiting week after week to watch the next episode on Disney+. Plus. It's frustrating. I want a season. I want my 10 episodes all at once. That's my thing. My, my, my impatience, it, it, that's my biggest thing with all these shows. And we've talked about about 18 times on this. We've only had 14 episodes, but we've talked about it at least 18 times. It's uh, yeah, just one of the, the frustrating things with these streaming services is that, you know, the idea is you get away from the cable television chain. You go to streaming so that you can have everything you want when you want on demand kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, now Disney and Netflix and all these guys have all figured it out. It's like, hey, how can we keep drawing these people back? I guess. I guess that's how, why they're doing it this way. They've figured out the cable chain and how to work it so that it makes people like us come back every week, no matter what. So, Rob, do you know do you know much about the the history of of Modoc? Modoc's this this crazy '60s comic book character, right? Like he's just this like ugly, goofy looking thing that you just know only comes out of comic books 
And so he was just this character that uh, he came back, uh, he was in the Silver Age, and he showed up in, I think it was Tales of Suspense back in like 67 or something like that. Uh, he's this, he's this uh, former AIM. So AIM was Advanced Idea Mechanics, kind of like one of these bad guy groups that's in Marvel. Yeah, I think he was Captain America's kind of main rival for the, for the longest time. For, for a tiny little bit there, yeah. They specialize in, in futuristic weaponry, and he was just, just a worker there or something, but he was really smart, and he ended up getting put into this special seat, which kind of carries him around, right? So he, through the experiments that they were doing on him to increase his, intelligent, uh, his intelligence, and so they put him in this super seat, and then he can use his mind, mind gem or mind jewel and he can shoot beams out of it and stuff like that. And so his first like appearance, he was leading AIM. The people, the, the AIM members kind of were trying to betray him at the same time. So they were using Captain America as a distraction to get out from underneath his rule. It didn't work and he ended up taking control or something like that. It, yeah, it, I think after, after they uh, had completed doing all the experiments on, on him, that he actually, he ends up killing his creators and takes control of AIM. Yeah. But he, but he's always been kind of this like obscure character. Like, I mean, obviously he showed up back in like 67. So he's been around a long time and, and he popped up here and there in like video games and in the comics on, on very minimal occasions that I can think of, like only as myself as a collector that I don't remember seeing him a lot. And I just thought he was this weird, weird character. Oh, completely. Yeah. Like he, but you see him now and again in these super villain team ups. Yeah. He's just a, such an awkward, like you, you never forget him. Even if he, he's almost a, a little bit of a forgettable character, you never really forget him just because of the way he looks. Anyway. So I guess uh, he's going to have kind of a little bit of a role in the Marvel cinematic universe in the future. So I think they kind of want to introduce, wanted to introduce him in this way. I don't know if he'll actually make it into the films or not. I, they'll probably refer to him or something at some point. And AIM, obviously AIM will play a, probably a major role in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward. So they kind of wanted to give it a bit of a backstory. This show is pretty silly in a way. And it's, it's made by the same guys, I think. I believe it's made by the same guys that did uh, Robot Chicken. So if you've never seen Robot Chicken, what a crazy show that is. It's just like a bunch of skits and shorts that are made with like toys and action figures uh, done by Seth Green and a few other guys. And I don't know the other guys, forgive me for that. But they created a show where it took like pop culture themes and they made it vulgar and funny and, and added real life situations. Like they had like George Lucas being chased down by this nerd who ends up killing him because the nerd is just like so careless and nerdy. And it's just hilarious. But if you ever get a chance to check Robot Chicken, then you can understand where MODOK comes from. The MODOK is uh, the same genre, the same kind of vein, where it's, it's, it's a little vulgar. He's just a crazy, stupid character. Like, uh, you, you feel sorry for me. And he's played to perfection by Patton Oswalt. I know. I sat there. I know this voice. I know this voice. Who is this voice? I finally had to Google it. I couldn't uh, put my finger on it. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as, as, soon as they, you, you hear the name, you're like, that's it. Yeah. That's the, it. The yeah. guy that's done everything. And that's why yeah. you know his voice. And, and he, he's super familiar with the Marvel Universe. Like he was in the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. series. He was the uh, yep. well, that, that weird set of uh, uh, twins that were taking care of Nick Fury's business behind the show. Mm -hmm. It's cool to see Patton Oswalt getting some more use. And that, he's got that distinguished voice. And it just works so perfectly. He fits in as MODOK. Oh, I'd, I'd agree. You know, he probably hate here the fact that Oh, maybe even kind of looks like Modoc. <laughs> <laughs> He's just Modoc is such a unique looking character, and so is he. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Modok just, just spills off that weird 60s, 70s comic book pages. He just, he just kind of falls off the pages. Like this guy, you like, you, you look at him, it's like nobody would come up with this concept now. It just like you, he just smells, just reeks of 60s and 70s comic book characters. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to talk about a character like that later on when we, when we talk about our top tens. What is uh, kind of really funny about this show? Really, it starts off that he's a super villain that, and he's struggling to hand, uh, handle his company and his family. It's like your everyday Joe but he just happens to be a supervillain. He has all the same problems with, with life that we have. He's got two little kids that are a handful. His wife is, she's about to, to leave him. You think supervillain, you don't think those sort of problems. And so he, he becomes very, very relatable. Well, that's what I kind of, that's definitely what I like about it. And that's the robot chicken influence too, right? Robot chicken influence kind of does that where it takes these like characters who are like bigger than life characters. And then it gives, it presents them with real world problems, right? What I love, what I love about this show too, is that they take Modoc, you know, this big, bad supervillain. They made him a, make him a little bit of a, a goof. And then they, they bring in this, this uh, CEO of Grumble right? This evil corporation, the rival evil corporation ends up buying AIM because he can't afford AIM anymore. Yeah, it's gone into bankruptcy and he's he's got to sell out. And then you just get this feeling that it's like the the Mark Zuckerberg, the Elon Musk type of totally. character, right? So it's like older generation comic book supervillain meets the modern day supervillain, you know, but it actually makes you feel for MODOK, right? You, you actually, you, you get a, a sense of remorse about how his life has turned out and then you, you kind of want him to win even though he's a super villain who will kill people without a, a thought or with a with a thought i guess with in, a thought. Know, in his particular it's, case. it's very intentional yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i love the show i think it's going in a great direction my wife doesn't like it because she she's just feels disgusted by uh by modok and his daughter uh who who looks <laughs> who looks very similar to him has the same uh, body uh thing uh, like the body chair that he does yeah. And that, that just, she's, she's grossed out by it. My daughter watched a couple episodes, couldn't get into it. Maybe it's odd that, you know, we seem to understand the supervillain that is going through a midlife crisis. I, I'm betting because, you know, he, Modoc clearly is Generation X. Yep. Completely. He's having to deal with these millennials. Austin Vandersleet. Austin Vandersleet, that evil, evil scumbag who's trying to take over AIM, make a, make a mockery of MODOK. Oh, it's just mean. Maybe this is us relating to MODOK and wanting to take the world back from these crazy millennials. <laughs> it will be ours. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, I think there's some great characters in here. I can't wait to see how this, um, see how this really develops and in uh, where they're going to take it because I think there's going to be some, some really cool storylines that come out of it because it's totally out of left field. Like, I don't know how they're coming up with these storylines, but it's fantastic. Well, I, I hope too that they, they do introduce some of the more common or uncommon Marvel characters. Cause I, I do love seeing that as well. Like, you know, maybe characters that you won't see in the actual Marvel cinematic universe that MODOK would, you know, run into like maybe like, or even just, you know, like a little run in with like the fantastic four or captain America or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Just some fun, throw that in there. Cause I mean, you know, they got the action figures for it. I love when they refer to Modoc's collectible, uh, collectible character that Austin is carrying around. Right. And that essentially Austin had just to 
steal it from a, away from a dog or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love, I love Modoc's son, the 12 year old Lou. <laughs> He's hilarious. He doesn't have a care in the world. I was just going to say that. Full name is Lewis, and he claims his name stands for a lanky organism, undeniably irresistible and syphilitic. That's probably it. He shows up at his dad's new apartment after after uh, Modoc and his wife uh, kind of split up for a bit. And they show up at the new apartment for their weekend with dad. And uh, he just absolutely, the, the son, Lou, just absolutely loves this place. And it's a, it's a real fixer-upper. And he gets right in there, and he's, he's trying to figure out how he's going to like set his room up and you know, all stuff. And he's just excited about this. Oh man, this bed goes into the wall. This couch goes into the wall. Oh man, the toilet, it goes in the wall. He, uh, his sister, uh, not so much, not very she was impressed. Not impressed. Melissa is not impressed with that at all, but I, I love Lou. I think he's going to be a great character and hopefully he'll take over the family business later. I, I hope they, they, they go a little further with this and I hope we do see some uh, other characters in there. I'm going down the list of other characters and it looks like there will be. Iron Man. I think Iron Man might have already been in it in the first couple episodes, if I remember correctly. It's it's not actually Iron Man, but it's um Oh a hologram, a hologram. A hologram. He just appears as a hologram. And then as soon as Modoc sees him, then he he blasts him. That's what Modoc does. As any evil bad guy will. And you know, I think uh, Wonder Man is gonna be in it, Mr. Sinister, Arcade. And I mean, these are these are more obscure characters. If you don't, uh, if you don't read comic books, you definitely don't know who any of these guys are. Uh, you know what? You'll see them, and uh, maybe you'll you'll love them. Not to not to get off topic too much here, but I watched a, a Phoenix movie, Dark Phoenix, the X Men Dark Phoenix, on uh, Disney Plus the other day, and Dazzler of all characters in the Marvel universe made an appearance in that movie. Nice. You must have been very happy. I was super excited. This is foreshadowing for the end of the show. So just pay attention. Stick around. Listen to the end of the show, okay? <laughs> We're going to talk about Dazzler. We're not going to be talking about Dazzler, Dazzler later, are we? We are talking about Dazzler later on. So if you want to talk about Dazzler, we're going to talk about Dazzler. You got to stick around. Anyway, let's get back to what we're talking about here. Yeah, I, I give Modoc two thumbs up. And I think it's definite watch. It's only half hour episodes, right? So it, it's fun. It's adult humor. Yeah, obviously. it's not, not for children. Modoc often drops the F sharp. And there's definitely a lot of uh, blood and guts. Uh, I mean, claymation, animation style blood and guts. So nothing to really be too concerned with. If your kids do watch it, it just, they're probably not even going to, they're not going to like it, but as an no. adult, you will. So Rob, I know you and I, we've been, you know, we talk about music a lot just on our own and we're always looking out for new stuff. And so that's why we actually decided to add the next section to talk about new album releases and stuff that is coming out so we can share it with the listeners. Yeah, so we're, we're going to try this new feature and let us know if you like it. Before we before we start talking about that, I just want to talk about like in the modern generation of streaming, you don't really see albums as much or you don't think you'd see albums as much. But I'm, I looked at the list of albums that came out in the first quarter of, of 2021 and it's yeah. crazy to see some of the names on this list. Like I'll just quickly scroll down and there's like Sammy Hagar, Frontline Assembly, I mean, Justin Bieber. I mean, we don't want to talk about him necessarily, but Edie Brickell. Oh my, there's so many. I'm just like scrolling down the list. They still drop albums. That came from our era, from, from the Generation X era that are making like albums still to this day. I'm just, I was so excited. I'm like, after I'd already picked my albums that I was going to talk about today, I was scrolling through this list. And I'm going, oh my goodness. I didn't realize that, you know, some of these bands, I'm going to have to go back. Well, you can't tour just a song. That's true. 
That's true. But I mean, some of these bands like Weezer, uh, you haven't seen or heard from in a long time. I mean, well, maybe not Weezer might not be a good example of that. But I mean, there's like Cannibal Corpse and, you know, stuff that, you know, maybe not everybody knows that's listening to this podcast. But these are bands that like, you know, from my teenage formative years. So it's cool to see that they're still plugging away. Let's be fair. Nobody has an excuse not to make an album right now. No, that's the, the only thing that you can do. Exactly. So it's good to see that that these bands are doing it. There's so many albums being dropped. And why don't you tell me about your first pick for uh, albums that have been released in the first quarter or the first bit of this year, 2021? What I came across was an album dropped by Jeff Rosenstock. So it's called Ska Dreams. It was released just on April the 20th of this year, 2021. It's actually his fifth solo album, and it's a ska version of his album, No Dream, which is a punk rock album. So he is a singer-songwriter from Long Island, and he, he actually has his own independent record label, quote-unquote records. This album, it's really a, a ska punk infusion. You definitely feel the the punk influence that uh, that he has for sure with this album it, it's pretty cool what i found interesting when uh when i looked into him a little bit more he referenced some of his musical influences as being tom waits pulp and the beach boys oh that's uh, that's so eccentric oh completely so he had actually started his solo career just after the uh, breakup of the the band bomb music industry and uh he's also been he was the lead lead singer of the ska punk band the arrogant sons of bitches part of the punk collective bomb the music industry and uh also the indie rock noise pop band kudro so so are you are you a ska fan yeah i love ska so, so, you know, like Fishbone and I mean, my only real exposure to like, I, I love ska, but I don't really know a lot of the bands. My only exposure was really like Fishbone and like, no doubt. See, most of my stuff goes back 25, 30 years. And I really haven't been listening to much ska that's been uh, put out recently. And that's when I started searching for new, new ska bands. And so I came across him. Uh, he's actually going to lead into another band that he's part of as well that I'll, I'll reference in a bit. But I'd, I'd like to just to get you to tell me a little bit about one of the albums you've come across. So my son is 14, 14, I believe, 14 or 15. Holy smokes. I don't know what, I don't know what age he's at. <laughs> my brain is just completely lost at. Uh, anyway, uh, he doesn't need to know. No, it doesn't need to know at this particular point. It's just everything's such a blur in the last year and a half. Anyway, he came to me about this new musician. I guess she's not technically new, but she is only 18, I believe. And uh, her name's Olivia Rodrigo. And she's kind of at the top of the charts right now. It might sound weird coming from me. Uh, I, I'm more open. I've got a pretty eclectic taste in music. People could probably call her kind of like a teen pop idol. You know, she's from high school musical, done all kinds of Disney Channel type stuff. She dropped this album and my son kind of encouraged me to listen to it just to check it out. I was blown away at just how good this was. Oh, yeah. And and how good she was. So so her album is called Sour and just came out a, uh, about two weeks ago or so. And I'll tell you, like, she has this voice that is so chock full of emotion and her songs like people people are kind of complaining about her songs being too 
melodramatic too much about uh, uh, breakups and stuff like that, which seems to be complaint. I don't know why people complain about that. I mean, if the music's good and the lyrics are good, then you know who cares what the the theme of the songs are, right? If they're good music, right? So, but I just I get this very '90s, a little bit of grungy, but I call it a Lilith Fair type vibe. Right, so it's not as folksy as little as little fair type uh, musicians. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, there, there's guitar, but then there's some some modern pop elements to it. But like, she's got this a strikingly emotional voice. It gives you chills, especially like considering the the heartbreak content that she has in all of yeah. the songs. Like, she's I, I call her almost like a less edgy, jagged little pill, Alanis Morissette, <laughs> with like a mix of Avril Lavigne on without the steroids. Like Avril Lavigne's a very rambunctious where where uh olivia isn't quite that rambunctious with her music and so you could almost like tone her down to like a billy eilish type feel right so jagged little pill avril lavigne billy eilish and then she's got the folksy woodstock vocalization like Joni mitchell that's pretty cool yeah like and that's really like as soon as i i thought of I was trying to compare, trying to think of comparisons. And I thought Joni Mitchell, big yellow taxi, you know, the whole, you know, they paved over paradise with a, and built a parking lot kind of thing. And just, I really yeah. got this feel from her. So she's got a few tracks on her album. Like one song is called Brutal. And it's got this grungy, heavy 90s vibe, like almost Sonic Youth, Sonic Youth mixed with Avril Lavigne. Wow. Another song called Deja Vu. Uh, it's more 90s vibe with a pop spin. And she does this little thing in like halfway through her song, like her song will start off really nice and emotional, but then she does, she adds this kind of like overtone with like multiple voices. So it, it, it still has that modern generation production value, but it's got that really good emotional nineties vibe. Uh, she's got this one song called enough for you, emotionally brutal tear inspiring song. And it just, I can dig it. Yeah. Like she, she is, she is just so impressed me and like, my, my, my wife likes to say that uh, all her songs are about the same subject and they really are in a way, but, <laughs> but then my, but then my son comes out and says, well, no, it, it's like, it tells a story from the start to the end. Right. So like, you know, the big, the ending of her relationship and works through her, all her different emotions as she's severing this relationship. And as these songs go along, you can kind of see it. And uh, then she's got this one song called happier. It's kind of like a 50s, 60s teen pop feel uh, with a kind of like glaring desperation. Uh, you know, to the songs like she's hopes you're happy, but not as happy as you were with me. The, the raw emotion in her voice uh, is, is just phenomenal. I'm more open to pop concepts, but I think that, she, you know, despite her being considered pop, I don't really feel like it kind of kind of like with Billie Eilish in a way, like people consider Billie Eilish pop, but she's not really pop. She's got this it's got a bit more of an edge. Yeah, I refer to kind of like the grungy, like I call this um, the postmodern grunge movement. Definitely a lot more edgy. We're not talking bubblegum pop. We're talking, it might be pop music, but it's not bubblegum pop, right? Yeah. So, and her album ends off with a couple of songs, but one of them is called Hope You're Okay. And it's kind of like, uh, she talks, she tells these stories of these people that she knows uh, who go through different things in their life, whether it's like bad parenting or uh, sexual assault and stuff like that. And so it's kind of, it's a tear inspiring uh, a teen angst kind of story where she's just wondering where these people are. She remembers them for what happened. And then she just wonders and hopes that wherever they are, they're okay now. Yeah, I think with music like that, you know, it can really bring about a lot of emotion for a lot of different people. And so many people can understand it and appreciate the story that she's trying to tell. Well, I think across all the, the entire album hits on probably that those teen angst teen relationship type emotions or like you know your early early relationships 
the, the kind of emotions that you experience as, as the, those relationships break down and stuff like that. I just, it's so very mature for an 18 year old uh, girl to be singing like this. And I just, I'm, I'm blown away. And I don't know if she, she writes her own music. Well, that's, I mean, that's when we have all those feelings. When you get to our age, you stop feeling. Wow. What, like this is an album I listened to. I tried to make sure I listened to the whole album through and other than maybe like one song, the entire album was just, was remarkable, was remarkable. The entire album. My son, my son played a few of the songs for us prior to me actually sitting down and really listening to it. And I thought, oh, it's okay. It's okay. But then the more I sat down and listened to it and I started looking at the lyrics and I started listening to really diving into it. I was just like, wow, her one song, uh, Driver's License, I think it was debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Her entire, she even says her entire life just shifted in an instant. Oh, that, good for you for sitting down and giving it a fair shot and going and really paying attention to the lyrics. I'm probably the worst one for that. I get into a song just because of the instrumental vibe that's going on. And it's sometimes the, the lyrics, you know, it, it catches me. Often, often the instruments that, that really pull me in, they could be singing about, you know, about eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for all, <laughs> for all I know. Well, I, I'm very much the same way. Like I come from a heavy metal background or like, you know, I love, I love four piece bands. You know, you got to have your guitar, your bass guitar, your drums and your, your, your lead guitar. Right. You know, I, I, I'm always open to listening to more stuff if there's a hook to it, but you know, this, this isn't pop music by any means. Right. So mm -hmm. for, for it to be categorized as, as pop category, categorized, categorized as pop music, I, I don't, I don't see it. I think that this is really more teen angst post grunge for sure. Like it's, it's it. a whole, whole new generation of grunge. And I love it. Yeah, it, it was it was really good. So so what about you? What's your what's your next album on your list? This seems to be a recurring theme anyway about our shows, but the band is called the Bruce Lee Band. I love the Bruce Lee Band. I don't know them, but I love them. <laughs> but I love them already. <laughs> so I guess officially they're actually known as B period Lee Band because of the the fact that that Bruce Lee, you can't use anything about him essentially well, for, for, for obvious reasons yes no exactly i guess uh bruce lee's brother robert he happens to manage the cd manufacturing plant that was uh, responsible for pressing their first album and that's when they became became aware of it the recent album that's dropped it's actually a five song ep division in the heartland to go back uh, robert lee Bruce's brother, uh, he was responsible for pressing the album and he contacted the lead singer, Mike Park. And just to kind of give him a friendly word of caution that the Bruce Lee's name and likeness were copyrighted and he couldn't use it. Yeah, some people uh, find that out the hard way. Yeah, well, it was nice to kind of get the, the heads up that way. You know, I said that Jeff Rosenstock that there was a link actually between the bands. So the four main members are Mike Park, Jeff Rosenstock, nice, Dan Pothas, and Kevin Hijuchi. Hijuchi? If I'm pronouncing it correct. Kevin, if you're listening, I apologize. That will happen many times on the show, no matter what. We, we, we mispronounce everything. Yeah. I guess he, um, when I say he, Mike Park, I believe he's based out of Korea. But it seems that he often brings in musicians from from all over the place to to actually perform with them. Like I watched some of his videos, and gosh, there had to have been more than a dozen performers up there. 
uh, playing, you know, trumpets and, and so forth. You know, you got you got to have that for for your ska sound. They are a very cool sound. And you talk about, you know, people not dropping full albums anymore. Well, they've dropped an EP. So it's it's a short album. It's just five five songs. So it includes Say Goodbye to Yesterday. You said you hated impressions, Division in the Heartland. What I believe translates to BLT. And then the final song, You're Melting Faster as the World Just Stops and Stares. So if you're looking to get the album, it is available through asianmanrecords.com. They actually, the first pressing of this new EP, it's already sold out. They only made a thousand copies to begin. Now we have to sit and wait. <laughs> but it was great to find find this new ska music that's being put out. He's been putting this stuff out for a while. And it's just great between him and uh, and, and Jeff that I, now I've I've got some new music to kind of hook into. And so I'm you know this whole this whole section is actually perfect for us, kind of talking about new music that's dropping on like every quarter. It gives us time to to go out there and and you know check out some new stuff. Well, that, that was a great thing about uh, looking up some of these albums and going, oh my goodness, I, I recognize some of these names. So some of these uh, names. And I decided, okay, I'm going to listen to some of the stuff, but I wanted to, to listen to these first two albums here. You know, I, I listened to a few songs already. I'm going, oh man, you know, I used to be a real music aficionado, right? Where I was definitely always up to date on the latest and greatest stuff. So it, it was good to kind of get back into that and see what's coming out. And some bands are just putting out some of their best stuff in decades, if year, years at least, if not decades. And, and I love ska music. And I love punk for that because even though you know, they might not put out full albums, they have EPs and every time they have a little bit of music, they just want to get it out there for people to listen to and people to love. So they just yeah. throw it out there. And you know how many EPs of punk bands that I had back in the day, like Fat Record Collection, basically, you know, that was that was the name of the record producer or record yeah. company it was a Fat Records by Fat Mike from uh, actually another band that put out an album uh, this year, but I'm not going to get into them. Save that for another show. Save that for another show. But yeah, so I love the fact that, you know, especially I, I find definitely in, in punk and ska circles that those are the ones that always just throw out these like short EPs, these short albums just to get them out to the masses because, you know, that's people want to listen to new fresh stuff all the time. Speaking of new and fresh, let me tell you about Evanescence. So I love Evanescence. I've been listening to them ever since their, their breakout album Fallen in 2003. Amy Lee is like the love of my life. Uh, her vocals are just like they take you from Amy Lee if you're listening <laughs> yeah she she's uh, she's well beyond my league I'm sure but she she her voice like takes you from one emotion to the next she has I would consider she is probably one of the greatest vocal talents in rock music if not possibly the world I don't feel that she gets as appreciated as she should because some people maybe not, maybe don't enjoy their music, you know, because it, it, it's kind of heavy and dark. So her, but her voice, if you ever listen to his stuff that isn't with Evanescence, like her voice is just phenomenal. They had this breakout album in 2003 called Fallen. And it was just, it was like front to back, this album that was just absolutely phenomenal. And anybody, you can still see reaction videos on YouTube listening to their first song, uh, Bring Me to Life, and how like all these people just react. Oh, they've, they've never heard of it before. Instantly love that song, right? So they, they really set themselves up for failure in a way that they haven't really produced much since then. That's been really notable. They had a couple songs here and there that were good, 
but since that album it's just been it's been tough to be an evanescence fan in a way right i mean i yeah. still appreciate it and i still love amy lee she's done a lot of like uh solo stuff when they, they i heard they were dropping another album i was kind of waiting with bated breath i thought okay well I, i'll always give them a chance no matter what from the first moment when uh, the song called wasted on you dropped it was like it starts off a cappella and this chime intro that is just spine tingling that's followed by their personified metal drop. Sorry, their, their new album is called The Bitter Truth and just dropped uh, back in, I believe, is March or April. Make sure I made note of that. So this song Wasted on You is just like that's the perfect Evanescence song, right? It's just like it takes you right back. And as soon as that song dropped, I'm like, OK, I feel like I'm listening to Evanescence again. I feel like I'm listening to what they're supposed to sound like again. As I listened to the whole album, I'm like thinking, okay, so now this this album is is all about her vocals, but not about her musically, which is what kind of a return to what made them famous. Because when she kind of started, when she took over the band, when when her partner Ben Moody had left, uh, it kind of went this way, where she had written everything, she was writing everything, and it just kind of felt a little different. And what didn't it didn't feel as evanescent as it was originally with when Ben Moody was there. But I, as listening through this album. I was like, oh my goodness, I think Evanescence is back to where they, they were. I think it's back to where they were because it was about her vocals and it was about the music as a band, not about Amy Lee's music. I see that they're actually uh, starting to tour at the end of the year. You you can actually go and catch catch them down uh, like mid-December at, where did I see? They're playing in Detroit. Nice, very nice. So if the border is open by then, which it should be, You'll be able to go catch them live. I might, I might go check them out. I did see them once before. So I saw them back uh, uh, quite a few years ago. Actually, one of my first dates with my wife, uh, we went to an Evanescence concert and we actually, one of their songs, one of our wedding songs. <laughs> well played. They had that album Fallen back in 2003. Like I played it in my car and you had it cranked up and you had to listen to it cranked up in the car to really get the vibe from it and to get, to really understand her vocals and feel her vocals. This album, like this new album, they've got like this song called Broken Pieces Shine, which is just dark and heavy and brooding. And you don't hear her vocals as much, but it's definitely like, it, it's just like a heavy brooding song. The Game Is Over, another brooding, but it's definitely classic Evanescence and her voice is just on par and you feel it. It's taking you back. Taking me back, right? Wasted on You, I talked about it. Use My Voice, which is kind of like an activist sh- song that she she produced and had a bunch of uh, uh, women uh, other women singers on it. It feels pop and it's not really as evanescency as I use that word evanescency because there's a certain feel to them. That's a thing. And, but it's got their section, their signature metal accompaniment and yep. then blind, blind belief, just a, a surprisingly uplifting song, but still typical evanescence. And I got hammered in the visuals. Like they, they took advantage of working apart, but working together. And so their videos, the, I believe there's only three videos on this album or three singles and the videos like are really great videos. Like they, they look good because each, it almost feels that each band member really had a, a part in doing their own part. You know what? Like even the, the greatest bands that are out there, they're not every one of their songs is a hit and you go through low, low points every now and again, you just come back when you're on top. That's just it. But I, I just felt that Evanescence kind of went after their first album they, they, they set themselves up for failure because that album was so frigging good. <laughs> it's, it's hard to compete when, when you start at the top. It really, it is. It is, right? So it's nice to see that they're back. You know, they're back. Amy Lee's vocals. In, and if anything, if anything, you got Amy Lee's vocals have to be heard by the world. So I'm glad that 
the band and her can hopefully move forward and get those vocals to be heard because she is just one of those phenomenal talents that needs to be recognized. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard any of their stuff in ages, so I'm definitely going to check that out after our show. And start off with wasted on you. Okay. So that, that song is just, it's, it's evanescence. It's the, it's the essence of evanescence. If we had kind of the copyright or whatever, I'd play it right now in the show, but... I know. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could do that? Evanescence. If, sorry, I can't even say their name, so I don't know why they'd want me, allow me to play their songs. If you're listening, reach out. I'm glad to see that they're back, and I, I hope I hope that they get the appreciation that they deserve, because they are a fantastic, fantastic band. And like I said, Amy Lee is a fantastic talent. So, Andrew, let's uh, let's start talking about our favorite comic book characters try this new feature where we're going to talk about our top 10 comic book characters so five for you and five for me so do you want to start with this one yeah for sure so i guess first off maybe to give a little bit of background both you and i come from what i'm gonna call at least for you and i the classic comic book the, the floppy comic books uh the characters that are based on them as opposed to your uh, actual books that contain volumes, like your One Piece, Naruto, Attack on Titans. We're going, we're actually going to the floppy comic book. We're, we're going to the North American comic book style. Yeah, I don't see why we can't cover it off later, but uh, I know my five didn't come from that, that genre. And to be honest, those books are probably the biggest sellers out there. Top of my list was actually Spider-Man. Spider-Man, he was the first comic book hero that I was introduced to. As a young kid, his uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, it was on, on television and it was awful animation, but I loved it. The animation from that was also reused in a couple other cartoons from that time period. You knew it was the, the same time period you'd always end up in like dimension five. Um, so that's kind of what got me into Spider-Man and then reading the, the comics and then into the movies. Spider-Man is such a big part of comic books and comic book collecting. The hero that everybody can associate with. The Peter Parker, you know, he's the, the young kid and just really trying to survive life and out there writing news stories as, as a young man, not doing that well with the, the ladies. When he puts on that mask, he's a superhero. And, and I think we can all relate to, all relate to that. So he's, he's my number one. For, for sure. And I think he's probably the number one for a lot of people. Like as a comic book seller, I know I can't keep Spider-Man books in my star. I cannot keep Spider-Man books in my star. People buy them up like crazy. Because he's relatable, and especially coming back from that era, because he, he debuted back in like 62 or something like that. He was the epitome of, of the teen angst, the teenagers. We, we all struggled trying to fit in socially, uh, especially for him. And if you were, and let's be honest, if you're a comic book reader back in those days, you were a little bit nerdy. And Peter Parker was nerdy. Yeah. You felt the same struggles. And you all wished... And I guarantee you all wish that you got bit by a radioactive spider so that you could do what Spider-Man did. Uh, yeah, I wanted to swing through the, the city. And I mean, and let's not forget, we all wanted to date Mary Jane Watson. Oh, uh, yeah. Still so, do. Yeah, why not? <laughs> don't, don't tell my wife. No. Well, you know. 
I'll put Mary Jane on my five. <laughs> <laughs> so my my father bought me a lot of comic books back in the day, and I read a lot. I was exposed to like Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, any number of characters back in the day. Iron Fist, Power Man and Iron Fist were, were great comics. My first one that I bought on my own was Punisher number two. And it was of his unlimited series. So his second series, the first one was, yeah. a, was a five issue limited series. I just fell in love with him from that moment. And now I went from that issue to now owning 1400 plus comics. Punisher number two. How old are you? <laughs> hey, look, don't start with me, Mr. Spider-Man, okay? <laughs> Punisher, the Punisher's first appearance is 1974. So he's only a year older than I am technically. So the Punisher, if you don't know who the Punisher is, he, and, and don't necessarily go with the, the modern uh, Marvel cinematic version of him because they, they paint him as a different character a little bit. But he was a Vietnam vet uh, who, who fought and, and, be, and led uh, various platoons in, in Vietnam, uh, the, the war that everybody hates. He was born for that role, but he came back to, uh, after, after an incident, uh, a close call in Vietnam, he came back to spend time with his, his wife and family. And one day out on a picnic, uh, they, they were in a picnic in, Grand, in Central Park, uh, uh, New York. His family gets gunned down by the mob who the family, him and the family, he just accidented upon uh, while they were out at, at the park. And they were doing a mob hit on, uh, on a rat of some sort or a gangster of some sort. And it just happened that the family got in the crossfire. And the Punisher watched his family get gunned down. He got gunned down as well, but he survived and he was the only surviving member. He went on to become the biggest, well, they say the, the biggest serial killer in, in comic book history, but he, he was doing it as a vigilante out of vengeance, using his special training, his special ops training in, from, from the war. And he is a thorn in the side of all the superheroes. He's, he's probably the epitome of anti-hero. And what I loved about him, and this is what I love about a lot of characters uh, that I appreciate and follow is that he didn't need money he didn't need you know batman's money he didn't need captain america's superpowers or or, or a super soldier serum he did it on his own you know no regard for his own life and his goal was to kill not good guys not not innocent people but to kill evildoers drug dealers specifically mob and bad guys and he went and did that with a sense of he understood that what he was doing was wrong, but he knew that it was his mission to venge his family as well as get rid of the scum, clean off the scum of the earth. He actually has a lot of crossover with three quarters of my list tonight. He Well, his first appearance was in The Amazing Spider-Man 129, uh, and it's actually a really hot comic book, uh, very sought after, and I own one of it, and I'm very happy. That's, my, that's the key to my collection. The Holy Grail. He, he gets into a lot of fights with Daredevil and he actually showed up in the modern Marvel comic universe on Netflix in his own show that was a spinoff of the Daredevil TV show. Which I love. And you know what? Daredevil, he's on my list. Iron Fist, Iron Fist on my list. Electra on my list. You have the New York, the New York five list. Completely, <laughs> completely. Yeah, I love the whole downtown New York vibe. I like the dark, gritty uh, comics, comic storylines that go along with them. I love all of the martial arts. I love the badass fighting. 
yeah and th- those those characters are all awesome i love them too so uh, i i was sad that i saw you took half my list <laughs> <laughs> so i had to come up with a bunch of other ones you, okay. you needed to write your list before me <laughs> <laughs> apparently well that's why i waited i wanted you because i knew that i i've got a much longer list than, than you would have no my list stopped at five anyway <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only ones I collect. <laughs> so go ahead and tell me about uh, your next character. I mean, I've got those guys. Then my final, final character that I picked, Batman. The Batman. How can you not have a top five list without Batman being on it? You know, I, I, I'm not one to go to, you know, specifically the Marvel camp or the DC camp. As long as it's a great storyline in fantastic art then you have me reading bruce wayne well most of us can't relate with him the fact that he's just a badass batman is well he, he's he is the most popular character in comic books he's even more popular than, than superman he's more popular than spider-man anybody who knows anything or doesn't know anything about superheroes still knows who batman is they probably know it's bruce wayne they probably know his his mortal enemy is the joker and how many people probably know most of his enemies, like the Riddler and the Penguin and stuff like that. And he's had so many iterations, reiterations. Is that the proper term, the proper use of the word? Reimaginations of Batman from every side of media. Which needs to happen now and again. Uh, at some point, I mean, the, the stories will get dry. So you have to kind of shake it up a bit. Because I, I can't see me still watching the original Batman show that was on the air when I was a child, that was the the, the live action show. The old Ad- Adam West from 1966, yeah, I think it, it was. It doesn't doesn't hold weight now. As cool as it was. Yeah, Batman is just like, and the great thing about Batman is that even if you didn't like the character or, or you didn't really get into the character, if you, you have to read some of his stories, like there are some crazy, like the, the killing joke Possibly one of the best uh, comic book stories in history is called The Killing Joke. And it's one of the most sought after comics. He's got uh, one called Death in the Family, where when Robin gets killed and there's death of the family, when the Joker gets a hold of all of the Bat characters, you know, to draw Batman out. I mean, the Joker is probably the greatest villain in history. So why would people not absolutely love batman and i mean there's so many good so many good batman stories you could pick up one comic one issue and be drawn in now i kind of i kind of pulled you away from from your your top five list like i think you've only got one in and i've (laughs) dropped everything (laughs) well i i could talk about comic characters all night long so i'll i'll drop my other my other couple ones here too uh one one important one is magic so this character called magic iliana rasputina uh she so she was a an x-men she is the uh the younger sister of colossus who people might be familiar with she was dropped back in 1975 in giant size x-men as just as herself as uh as iliana uh just a non-mutant just poor colossus's little sister sitting in the middle of the field but to be run over by a truck or by a tractor before before Colossus saved her, and she, but she's got this long sordid history. But I love her character so much uh, that I named my oldest daughter. My oldest daughter's middle name is Ileana, named after Magic, because I absolutely love the character. And she was recently portrayed in the 2020 film, The New Mutants. Finally, after so many years, she finally got representation in the films. And Anya Taylor Joy, who played her, was the perfect choice for her. And I hope. I know that the movie didn't do well in the theaters and I know a lot of people were crit- critical of it, 
but I hope that they keep the same cast from that movie from the New Mutants. That and Magic is by far one of. I mean, she's second only to the Punisher when it comes to my collecting and my love of comic book characters. Nice. So yeah, she and she she plays such a solid and immense role in the X Men, but she's always given so little credit. Yeah, I mean, she's been around forever. She has been. Uh, Harley Quinn from like I, I I'm a Marvel guy. I don't read a lot of DC. I like Batman, uh, but Harley Quinn is one of my top characters from DC. She's uh, the Joker's kind of ex-girlfriend. She's uh, she's crazy, just like the Joker, but not crazy as crazy as the Joker. But she's crazy enough to put up with his crap for a long time, and now they're not together. But she's kind of like the Deadpool of Marvel, or sorry, the Deadpool of DC, where she's great read. She's fun read, and they make the character good to look at. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean, honestly, almost all, all comic book characters are good to look at. Uh, except for these next ones, the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I've been with the Ninja Turtles since the very beginning. I'm not, I'm not gloating about that fact. But my friend, uh, when I was young, uh, my friend gave me Ninja Turtles number one, fourth print, fourth print, which is still worth a lot. But if I'd had number, the number still one, number one. if I had the first print, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I've been reading it and I absolutely love the original Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Ninja Turtles, but they've done so good with them in modern days. And I'm not talking about the movie ones. I'm not talking about the Cowabunga cartoon guys. Like I don't really care about those ones. I like the, the gritty comic book ones, the black and white, the blood guts, the shredder splinter back in the day. You, di- you don't think of that when you think of the nin- the cartoon uh, Ninja Turtles, which are the fun-loving, pizza-eating, high-fiving dudes. It was really dark and gritty. It was. It, you, 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 might, you might actually be very interested to find out that the Ninja Turtles were actually created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird as kind of a, a to make fun a little bit of the New York superheroes that we're talking about. Mm. They were actually kind of, it was kind of a mocking them a little bit and who knew that that little comic book would turn up and blow up into a multi probably billion dollar industry see they knew that they had something good <laughs> i guess so just a bunch of copycats i, I would actually love I'm now, Copy now turtles yeah <laughs> now the ninja turtles have, have, have uh, wrestled against uh, batman i would love to actually see them maybe show up in some uh you know spider-man or uh daredevil or the punisher you know these new york characters would be actually pretty cool to see them my final one that we're going to talk about is dazzler for anybody who's comic fan who's listening is probably going to give me a side eye dazzler was this weird cross promotional type character that was originally developed as a uh, casablanca records and marvel comics cross promotion multimedia creation until the the tie-ins were dropped the same year that she was created so she was going to be kind of like this she was going to have an album and all this stuff and kind of be like tied into the comic books. i got to be honest, Rob. I wasn't expecting you to be talking about Dazzler tonight. I love, look at, look. One like of, all of the lead-ins. <laughs> probably one of the first comic books I'd read was a Dazzler comic book. And let me, let me tell you, okay. So her character might seem silly. Let, let's, let's be very fair. She was like this disco queen. She had, she had uh, roller skates. She had this like glitter suit and she had a giant necklace that had like a disco ball on it. Yeah. Had me at roller skates and glitter. Right. <laughs> so, but, but her power was, so she was a mutant, but she was a, she was a, a reluctant mutant. She loved singing and she wanted to become like her mother who was a singer. She used her, her powers and silly enough, her powers were that she could take sound and turn it into extreme beams, extreme like light. She used her powers unbeknownst to 
the audience who would probably have hated her because she was a mutant. She used it to put on these dazzling shows, therefore the name Dazzler. It wasn't until she was outed as a mutant that she, her career kind of stumbled and then she had to go join the X-Men. Uh, but she was very reluctant to be a superhero. Had to become a superhero. Yeah, and she just loved doing what she was. But if you read her original series, her comic book series, so she she first showed up in X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, or number 130, which was back in about 1980. And she had a 42-issue run uh, in the 80s uh, that was actually really, really good. And it had lots of appearances by Spider-Man and the Avengers and the X-Men. And so it was actually a really good read. A lot of people just kind of blow her off because she sounds silly and she looks kind of silly. Like in her early issues before she changed her costume, she looked like this prototypical late 70s, early 80s disco ball queen. And it was for sure she was silly to look at, and the, the concept was a little silly, but she was actually a great read. And you really kind of understand the issues, the troubles that mutants had, the, the idea that they had to struggle against normal people the social commentary that that was going on with with this particular book is that if you didn't read dazzler you didn't get quite the same feel i don't think like you might have gotten reading the x-men or the new mutants back in the day so i think that she's a really good jumping on point if you want to kind of understand the reluctant hero the issues that mutants had to face and uh, like i said the other day she uh she made her live action debut in dark phoenix which i had no idea i just finally watched it and i was so excited but it was an unnecessary part, an unnecessary cameo, but I 100% loved it. Proudly, proudly say that I love Dazzler. And I even have a t-shirt with her logo on the front of it, all done in glitter <laughs> that my wife made me. Wow. Oh, well, I mean, as long as, you're, long as your wife made it for you. And that movie, that that's just a, just a couple years old now, isn't it? Like, was it 2019 or something? I believe so. It, it's let, Let's be fair. It's kind of like the end of x-men for uh fox is a fox that had that owned the rights to x-men now marvel has them back so we'll see yeah we'll see the x-men in the proper marvel universe but uh, it wasn't the greatest movie and dazzler's bit part in it was just pointless just that she's obscure so uh, it's great let's keep her obscure so that i can continue to collect her comics without any kind of competition but keep her on the list but keep her on my list she's in my top five uh these were some very uh very excellent top fives for tonight So I think uh, let's just quickly review our our top ten. Yeah, no. So I got I got Spider Man, I got Daredevil, Batman, Elektra, my girl, and Iron Fist. And I'm all about the Punisher, Magic, Harley Quinn, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and of course my girl Dazzler. Great show. I like these new ideas, Andrew. Yeah, I guess that wraps up just another episode of How to Survive the Modern World or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement. Brought to you by our friends over at tribe74.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for coming out and hope to catch you next time. Peace. Ciao.